I know we're in Lent and it's a penitential time and it's very serious, but two things made me laugh as I read the gospel. The first is that the way that it's written, um, Jesus quotes himself within a quote within a quote. Like at the end of this phrase that Jesus ends, or he's, he's speaking, go into the city to a certain man and tell him. So that's already a quote. Then quote, the teacher says, then another quote, my appointed time draws near. In your house, I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. Quote, quote, quote is how it's written. <laughs> that would be my nightmare as a student. Diagram that sentence, please. No, <laughs> not at all. And then the second thing that made me laugh is I remembered um, a joke from Robin Williams. And I don't know why he was talking about the Last Supper, but he was talking about Judas and Jesus and this interaction. And Judas going, surely it's not I, Lord. And then his interpretation of Jesus looking back at him and going, surely it's not I, Lord. You know, this very snarky Jesus, um, which is exactly how I would respond to someone I knew was betraying me. But so we focus today on Judas. Like I said yesterday, it was all about Peter and his betrayal. But today it's Judas and his betrayal, which is why the church has classically called this day Spy Wednesday. And I looked up the, the etymology of the word spy, hoping that it was something really cool. And apparently it's an old Germanic word that means to spy. I was like, that's really a letdown. Um, but there's, there's a beauty in the madness of uh, what we profess in our faith. And it almost doesn't make sense. Like if you actually think about the Christian religion and what it claims, it really doesn't seem like it should make any sense whatsoever. There's nothing more crazy than a God who decides to come to earth, except when that God comes to earth with the expressed intent of dying for humanity. Um, like, it's just so counterintuitive to logic uh, that it's, it's a little overwhelming to take all of Christianity at once. And yet there's so much beauty in it that lets us know that this isn't just a cleverly devised myth, as Peter says later, and it's not made up, um, but it's actually ordained by God to happen in a certain way. And part of what lets us know that, part of the, the proof that we can gather from that, is all of the prophecies that Jesus fulfills. In the, the first reading from the Old Testament um, from Isaiah, it's the suffering servant. And it says, you know, uh, I gave my back to those who beat me. Uh, I did not shield my face from buffets or spitting. All of these things we see happen in the Passion. You know, Jesus is, is scourged and he's spit upon and he's buffeted and they mock him. Uh, he's disgraced and he's put to shame, um, but he doesn't oppose anyone. Um, and so we can see that that prophecy is one of many that he, he lives out uh, in his, his life. And... So we look at those prophecies and see that, yes, no, this is actually, it's happening in a very specific way um, that God means for it to happen. What else is there prophecy about? Well, today we have the prophecy of the 30 pieces of silver. Um, Judas goes and betrays Jesus and it says they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And while this can look like an arbitrary number, it's like, well, how did they come up with that? Was it, you know, based on the current economic state of Jerusalem? Well, no. First of all, it has to do with the fact that in Zechariah 11, there is the prophecy which states 
that they, they are to pay 30 pieces of silver. And also, that was the price of a slave in this time. So not only are the Jewish people asking one of Jesus' closest disciples to betray him, but they're also saying in that, we only think of this man as nothing more than a slave. And so it's, it's an insult, it's a humiliation on top of the fact that they're trying to kill him, um, that they're only going to pay the slave's price for him. And so what about this man that betrays the Lord for 30 pieces of silver? Um, a lot of people like to, to really go, go to the humanistic side and say, well, you know, he had good intentions. Well, we all know what they say about good intentions, being the road paved to hell. Anyway, um, so should we feel sympathy for Jesus? You know, I watched a movie recently entitled Mary Magdalene, which had Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus. It was actually not terrible, um, but one of the things they do is really hype up the, the Judas is like, no, 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 Jesus is going to make this happen. Also, I need to make him help him do this and make this happen. Um, so Judas's betrayal becomes very like, oh yeah, I can see how that would be logical. Um, well, let's look at what Jesus says about it. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. It's pretty harsh. Uh, and so I think it's a disservice not only to the scriptures, but to our Lord if we're like, well, you know, I understand Judas was just in a hard place. No, no, it would be better if he were never born is what our Savior says of him. Um, and so it begs the question, what is the difference between Judas and Peter? Because in two successive days, we've heard of two successive failures, Peter's and Judas. And the only difference is that Peter actually trusts in God's mercy and he returns to the source of healing and forgiveness. He betrayed him, but he also came back. And so then we have to ask the question today, what is the difference between us and Judas? And the answer is nothing if we think that our sin is too big for God to forgive.